Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. David, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm good, Hadi. How are you? Amazing. I love what you're doing and bringing back the old handwritten notes. But before we start, I'll introduce you to our listeners. David Wax is the founder of Handwritten with a Y, which is a developer and provider of scalable handwriting solutions designed to help users send handwritten notes. The company uses custom-designed robots that hold real pens to write out these notes with different hand handwriting styles. Interestingly enough, David, you've bootstrapped that company. But tell us, what is so powerful about handwritten notes? Yeah, so prior to handwritten, I actually had another company that focused on text messaging. I ran that from 2004 to 2012 through the whole growth in text and the takeover of the iPhone and all that. And what I by the end, we were sending over a million text messages a day. It was all opt-in. It wasn't spam. But what I realized is everybody's so overwhelmed with emails and texts and tweets and Facebook and Slack and Teams and everything else. All electronic communication is becoming noise. And now I've been running handwritten for nine years. It's even worse than ever because of all the email tactics that we use actually to grow. Those are just making matters worse. Everybody's getting even more and more emails. I mean, my last stat was the average office worker gets about 135 emails a day and they spend about 24% of their day managing their email inbox. So email is really a chore. It's not a delight. And if you send somebody an email, they're immediately going to discount it and think it's spam, even if it's 100% personalized. So when I was looking around saying, you know, gee, what doesn't look like spam, what does look personalized is handwritten notes because handwritten notes show an investment in time that other forms of communication don't. So that's really why I got into this, because I wanted to create something that was very personal and that would really break through the clutter of electronic communication. And I tried to actually handwrite all my notes to all my ex-employees and clients, the last company, and my hand froze, you know, it cramped up and I had to redo orders or redo uh, notes and all that. And I realized there had to be a better way. So that's why I decided to automate it. Amazing. So to take us to the early days. The trend is going digital. Everyone's going digital. And then you decide to come up with this idea. Did you do any early research to validate that this is going to work? Or did you just say, hey, I'm going to quit my work and I'm going to try this out if it works great. So talk us through how you've de-risked it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm laughing because, no, I did zero market research. I probably should have. I went off a hunch. The hunch was correct. The profitability was definitely not totally correct. In many ways, I run a nonprofit right now. But yeah, so I started the company nine years ago with two off-the-shelf handwriting machines. They're called AutoPens based um, from a company in Virginia, and they are kind of old generation technology. They work kind of like a printer or kind of like a typewriter in that every letter kind of is the same width. So it really didn't look that authentic, but it kind of got us off the ground. And we grew 
And we slowly reinvested. You know, I'm very careful with my cash. I've fully bootstrapped this company. We slowly grew profitably. And then when we started getting some big clients like meal boxes or online mattress brands and that type of thing, we decided, you know, these auto pens are not going to work. They don't, A, they don't look that realistic. B, they're really hard to manage. And C, the company behind them wasn't equipped or isn't equipped to deal with companies like us. So we thought, gee, we got to build our own robot. I'm a software engineer, not an electromechanical engineer. But after a couple of years, we figured it out. And now we have 175 of these robots that we build in-house doing this for us. So it really was test the market, see if it works. If it doesn't work, bow out. But the problem is you have a bias. I forget the the affirmation bias or whatever the term is, where you look at the data and you always think things are rosy, so you should reinvest. So that's kind of what I've been doing is um, nine years, we've just been growing this and pretty much organically. I haven't put in too much of my own money past the first year. The first year, we weren't profitable. Every year past that, we've been at break even or profitable. Amazing. So you founded the company in 2014. You mentioned you have 175 robots and you write approximately 320,000 written pieces per month. Take us back to the early days. What was your early acquisition strategy? How did you get the first clients into the door? Yeah, I mean, I came to this already having some success with my last venture. So the very first thing I did was I announced to my Twitter followers and my email, you know, everybody I knew that I was launching this handwritten brand and what it did. That got us our first 20 or 30 clients, maybe. We then incorporated into the platform referral uh, referral features where if you posted about handwritten on your Twitter or Facebook, you got a free card. Or if you emailed about it, you got a free card. And then we put out discount codes constantly for free offers, and we got to 100 pretty quick that way. Right now, our growth strategy is very different, and I'm happy to talk about that. But I've always been a strong believer in Google Ads and SEO, content marketing. So we we spend a lot of time in content marketing and ensuring that when you type the word handwritten notes with an I, like it's supposed to be spelled, we're number one for all key verticals. So handwritten notes for automotive, handwritten notes for insurance, that type of thing. We're, we're always number one there in the organic search results. How do you keep yourself motivated early on when you, you know, sell 20, 30, but it slows down because as every launch, it's not all rosy. So yeah. how do you keep yourself motivated to say, okay, I'm on the right track, but I need to do this and that the next step so that I'm happy or I'm still motivated to continue yeah. The business. Yeah, I mean, I would say the best examples are from my prior company, Sellit, C E L L I T, because there, I didn't know what the reason I started Sellit is I got fired from my prior job, and I didn't know what the heck to do with myself, so I started this texting company, and I didn't know if I was doing the right thing, but I spoke to my family and I complained to my family about it, and you know, I'm a very neurotic, paranoid guy, and talked to them, and they say just hang in, hang in, hang in. And what I learned from that is people told me it takes two years to get a business going at the least, and they are 100% correct. Do not expect to get anywhere 
before the first two years. You might have a little bit of success here and there, but before you start seeing real traction, it it is a two-year process. So I just urge your listeners to take the full two years. In addition to that, you just have to be willing to adapt your offering and not be so stubborn. So if, for instance, with my last company, Sell It, we had one product, which was real estate texting. So in the United States, please remember this is before the iPhone and before Zillow, but you there'd be a sign, uh, you'd go to a, you'd see a house for sale and there'd be a little flyer box below it and you'd try to grab a flyer and the flyer box would be empty and you'd call the realtor and nobody would answer. So we created a system where we'd hang a sign that says text in for info. And then when you text in, you'd get information on the house and the ability to get a fax because that's how old this was. People still used faxes back then or a PDF email to you. And then the realtor would capture the lead. But what I realized is people are very, realtors are very difficult to work with and they never want to pay for anything. They're either fat and happy or too cheap to afford the $39 a month or whatever. I said, you know, I want to push forward in this, but I want to go about it a different way. And I started a second offering, which was Coupons app. That was targeting text messaging solutions for restaurants and bars. That business, I think, is more interesting than handwritten in that that truly was bootstrapped. I mean, I was on unemployment, collecting my couple dollars a a month from unemployment, trying to keep this business going. And one day I got a call from Marie Claire magazine, which is a big magazine in the States. And they wanted to use a solution where you could text in for info on a product and then get an email back with more information on the product. And then you'd be entered in a, a sweepstakes or something like that. And what that really was, was the real estate offering. That's what we did for real estate. But instead of charging $39, I said, oh, you know, this is going to be a very custom solution. And I charged, you know, $5,000 for the exact same thing. But by having multiple products in my little portfolio at the time, that's what allowed me to really get the business off the ground is not by being, no, 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 I'm just real estate texting or no, 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 I just do restaurants and bars and nightclubs. I looked at what I had and I said, okay, I can use it in a number of verticals. And that's kind of what happened. And then we never really got off. I mean, we did. We had uh, several hundred realtors using us, but our main clients were for rent media solutions, which is where back then, again, there were magazines with with apartments for sale and you text in and you get info on, the, on that or car dealerships, you text in for info on cars. We just started expanding and it was very little about individual realtors and very much about these huge brands using us. So that's kind of how I got that off the ground. I would just urge people to give it a full two years. You have to have that stick to and that grit to stick through it for two years. And unlike anything else in life, like a baseball game or anything or cricket or what, you know, whatever, it's not over until you give up. Like there's no time frame on it or no innings. It's just as long as you're willing to stick with it. So if you can stick with it for two years or three years and you're really passionate and you're willing to adapt, you can typically make it work, but you, but you have to be able to stick with it for so many years. It's not something success. You know, my last business was an overnight success. It just took me nine, eight years to do, you know? So that's kind of what I tell people. Amazing. Did you do any non-scalable acquisition strategies with Handwritten that 
you know, you wouldn't do today, but it was essential, like a guerrilla marketing tactic that got you off the ground? I mean, everything we do is pretty much scalable. We send out a lot of handwritten notes to potential clients and that type of thing. That's kind of our big one is we blast out thousands of handwritten notes to potential clients. We do trade shows. But what I'd recommend in our case, what we do is we don't attend the trade show because exhibit at the trade show because having a booth is expensive and people just walk by the booth and don't do anything. So now what we do is we try to get the attendee list and we market to them and we say, you know, are you going to be at the show? Let's meet for a coffee in the lobby. And I've had more success at that than I have having a, having a booth. So that's really the biggest guerrilla marketing tactic is attending the show, not exhibiting and meeting people in the lobby. We do try to, you know, now we're bigger, we do have a booth. And for that booth, we have robots at the booth. So it really attracts attention to the booth. And then we spend nearly as much time prospecting the other booth exhibitors as we do the people attending the show, because our solution is kind of universal. You know, everybody could benefit from handwritten notes. So we'll go around and market to all the exhibitors as well. Amazing. I mean, it makes sense to drink from your own Kool-Aid. But yes. my, very interesting for me, because I'm going to be trying handwritten notes for my clients. How did you see the success in terms of conversion to traditional strategies like cold emailing or cold calling? Have you had any statistics that shows that the handwritten notes actually have a higher click-through rate, let's say? Oh, yeah. If you go to handwritten.com, we used a company... Let me preface this. This is not BS. I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on your show, but it is not BS. We went and we hired a, we used a service called Pollfish, which is a, they they do like surveys of, of consumers. So it's not handwritten clients or people that have visited the handwritten site, but it's actual consumers. And then I had a company out of London actually do the statistical analysis of that. And those results are all on our website, handwritten.com. If you click the resources tab, it says consumer outreach survey. And what we know is that handwritten notes have a 300% higher open rate than print. So a three times greater open rate. And from the survey, it talks a lot about personalization. You know, what's the most personal form of communication? And the most personal form of communication is a phone call, not a handwritten note. However, what's also the most annoying form of communication, a phone call. The second most personal is a handwritten note, and the least annoying is a handwritten note. So if you're looking to walk the line between highly personal, highly surprising, and not annoying, the perfect solution is a handwritten note. And I can talk to you about why they're not annoying and why phone calls are, if you'd like to talk about that. But on top of that, we work with a lot of auto dealerships. And those auto dealerships have replaced some of their prints, traditional print, you know, junk mail with handwritten notes. And handwritten notes are 100% more expensive. They're always more expensive because the very first thing we do is print. You know, we print a card, we need an envelope, but we print the card. And that's all a mail house does, a, a junk mail house. All they do is print. So that's step one. Then we feed it in our robots and blah, 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 blah. So we're always more expensive. However, we get a 27 times, so 2,700% greater rate of return than print. When you multiply it or divide it by the additional cost, 
it's still seven times greater the ROI, at least for automotive dealerships. A lot of our clients don't share the results with us, but we know it must be working because they were using us year after year. You know, I mean, they wouldn't be wasting their money for all this time. And now we're trying to get in the middle of it and understand a little bit better the effectiveness by offering QR codes on those print pieces. However, I will say putting a QR code on a greeting card in some ways makes it look a little less sincere and authentic. So I'm not 100% for it, but we are looking into that too. So yeah, I mean, it really depends on the vertical. I know I can give you examples. We have a prospecting tool on our website where you can circle on the map an area you want to cover, and then we'll blast out handwritten notes to all residences in that area. And we had a solar panel installer. They did it. They sent out 750 notes. It cost them, I don't know, around $3,000, but they sold a $60,000 solar roof. It was the most effective communication they've ever had or most effective marketing they've ever had. We have an auto dealership, about the same number of notes. I want to say around 1,000 notes. From that thousand, they sold seven cars and they bought back three more, which is just as equally important to them, which had an ROI. I mean, they said that was worth $80,000 in value to them, that whole value. So they're just seeing huge returns on this because everybody's so inundated with email and text and everything else. Everybody's pivoting left, so you pivot right. So yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about that, but yeah. I wouldn't be in this business if it didn't show results. No, absolutely. And this agrees to my next question, which is, I believe, is retention. Because you've acquired the customer. You want to make sure that you retain them and you want to get more of their wallet. And I just ordered the sample. You gave me $5 free. So essentially, the card is free. What is your strategy here? Or what's the framework that you use so that you ensure that someone comes back? Yeah. So our retention is not as important. I mean, it's important. We try to focus on it, but we really help our clients with their retention. Our retention is we have subscription plans. And if somebody unsubscribes, we reach out to them. If they have prepaid credit balances, we reach out to them when they reach a low threshold. We have these automated systems that are set up to alert our account managers of that. And then we constantly email, well, not constantly, like once a month, we'll send out an email of, hey, it's employee appreciation or it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, whatever it is. And we use those as methods to try to drive usership as well. Now, with that, I will say most of those emails are very consumer oriented, where it's, you know, Father's Day or whatever, you know, it might not appeal to the business buyer. But for our businesses, what we do is we constantly are adding to the platform to make it more valuable. So for instance, with online retailers, we have a Shopify plugin. You could download it from the Shopify store, install it, and then we'll help you automatically with your Shopify business. We have the same for HubSpot, Salesforce.com. We have Zapier and Make and all these other systems. We're constantly adding value by offering free add-ons. On top of that, on the website itself, we have the prospecting tool I just mentioned. We also have a birthday card automation tool, which was the number one most requested feature where you can basically upload all your birthdays and then the cards will just go out automatically. So we're just constantly trying to add more features, more and more, and just stay ahead of the competition. So that's kind of what we do. For our clients, the best example is Shopify. After 
clients make a sale, they can send out an automated handwritten note thanking their client for the sale. They can follow up a year later automatically saying, hope you're enjoying the product. All that's kind of built out and uh, automatic as well. So it really depends on what you're talking about. But but yeah, the number one biggest expense in most businesses is attracting and retaining their clients. So once you have that client, how do you squeeze that lemon and maximize it? That's what a handwritten note can help with. And that's what we're also struggling with, obviously, too. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this, uh, David. What is a principle that has worked for you that has helped you grow the business? Could be both a business principle, could be a life principle. My number one principle for entrepreneurship is always get in over your head. And what I mean by that is if you're doing what you're comfortable with, you're never going to grow. And the same could be applied to your business. Start doing things that might be outside of your comfort zone. That's my number one. And, and I learned that from Conan O'Brien, the comedian in the United States. I, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to meet him. And um, I rarely do words of advice uh, resonate for 25 years now since I've been in college. So that's number one. Number two would be always innovate and always test. And that's what we really are doing is I really try to have my team come out, come to me with ideas. We have a very flat org structure, maybe too flat, but because of that, people feel really comfortable coming to me and the other senior leaders with their ideas. Those are kind of my words of advice. What are you the most proud of? Most proud of 100% of the people and growing their careers. For instance, at my last company at Sell It, I took a young lady that was a yoga instructor and kind of a hippie, you know, covered in tattoos and a nose ring. And I turned her into a world-class account manager working for Abercrombie and & Fitch and Toys R Us and Walmart, huge brands in the United States. And she led those. And I was so proud. At my current company, it's the same thing with my head of engineering, who was right out of school, young kid from Arizona State University. And now he's a true leader, does so much more than just engineering. He leads our social media marketing team. He's just uh, an incredible individual. And then our business, we have a lot of quality assurance people, people that just stuff envelopes, you know, kind of lower end workers that look at notes and compare it to an envelope. And taking these people really out of poverty, I had one woman come to my office who's the head of the quality assurance team now, making decent money for what she's doing now. And she said, David, um, I got to tell you, I bought a TV last weekend and I want to thank you, a new TV. And I said, oh, yeah, of course. She says, you know, before I worked with you, I was poor. Now I have money in the bank. Before working with you, I didn't even have a bank account, which is crazy to me. But it's really taking these people and fostering them and growing them to where they uh, feel that they're valued and they've got skills and a real career, not just a job. Amazing. One last question. What's next for Handwritten and David? Yeah. So for Handwritten, we're coming out with some new features. One is delivery notifications. So after your card is delivered in the mail, you'll get notified so you can follow up with them. We have this QR code feature that's kind of just being tested right now, but that's going to grow. And a full folded card customizer 
I know you checked out our card customizer hottie and you put an image on one side. Now it'll be instead of a flat card, it'll be a folded card for that. That's coming out very, very soon. And uh, one of our big verticals is nonprofits. And in all the verticals we're involved in, our way of growing is by integrating into platforms that they use. So we're coming out with an integration into what's called BlackBog, which is the number one nonprofit donor management system. And that's what we're doing. Uh, as far as me personally, delegating, that's kind of inspiring and delegating. Those are kind of what I work on is, is trying to get my team to run themselves so that I get a little time off. But yeah, delegating is kind of my big personal task. Thank you for joining the podcast, David. This was an amazing episode, very insightful. We wish you the best of luck. How can people reach you? Yeah, please visit handwritten.com, H-A-N-D-W-R-Y-T-T-E-N.com. And I recommend checking out the business sample. So click business, and then you could get a full sample kit mailed to you for no charge. Personally, I'm on Twitter, David B is in boy, Wax, W-A-C-H-S. Or if you go to handwritten.com at the bottom of the website, you'll find all our company Twitter handles. We'll put all of this in the show notes. Thank you again Thank you, and have uh, a great evening. Pleasure being on the show. Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.